Blue Wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the New Slant Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Newbeck. And this week, our podcast is being brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. So, thank you to those guys for helping to keep our lights on. Co hosting with me, as always, my buddy, my pal, someone who hopefully did a good job uh, taking care of his girlfriend on Valentine's Day weekend, Seamus Clancy. Seamus, how are you doing? Enjoying the all-star break to having some time off from actually writing specifically and talking about basketball it was nice. Yeah. You know, as much as you and I love basketball and, and talking Everything about in moderation, interesting team, it is definitely, it all, you always reach a point in every NBA season where you got to decompress and relax a little bit. Thankfully I didn't have to actually travel to, cold ass Chicago for all-star weekend. So sorry to all my media colleagues who were there for the weekend, but I think it probably did Seamus and I a lot of good to, to relax a little bit. I'm recharged for the last 27 games. Did you, um, did you go anywhere fancy this weekend? You just kind of keep it low key. Uh, I went to like a small, uh, Italian BYOB in South Philly. So, Ooh, Keeping Very things nice. intimate, but not, you know, super sceny. Well, while Seamus and I were doing our best to stay out of the limelight, a couple of Sixers players were in Chicago for All-Star Weekend. I thought overall it's probably one of the better All-Star Weekends in recent memory between a really good three-point shootout, a memorable, if controversial, dunk contest, and then obviously the... The game itself, which had one of the longest introductions in the history oh my of God. pregame introductions, with Common just going totally off the rails with the the rhyme schemes. But once the basketball started, I thought that was one of the more compelling All Star games in the last. I don't know. You could probably say fifteen to twenty years. Like the last All Star game. Or at least the all-star game that always stands out to me was from the early 2000s where Iverson was on the team. Uh, That one too. But when Iverson was on the team, it might have been his MVP year, where the East went on a huge comeback to win the game Yes, at the end of the game after trailing for most of it. So that's one of the only ones that really stands out outside of, as Seamus mentioned, uh, MJ's last one. So the fact that we can mention it in that sort of conversation i think speaks very highly of of the whole weekend some uh kobe ones are really memorable for all of kobe's words as a player he definitely brought that energy to the all-star game made other players take it super seriously and he won mvp amongst other times in 2007 and 2011 i think those were both standout years for the all-star game as well yeah and i i think and we can give a shout out to our buddy Jake Pavorsky, who's employed by the basketball tournament. I think the inclusion of an ending similar or perhaps directly jacked from the Elam ending in that tournament where they were playing to 
a target score in the fourth quarter rather than running out the clock, I think that certainly added a dramatic element and a competitive element that that game needed. I think it just like you saw those guys really wanted that badly in a way that you don't see in a lot of all-star games. And I think in a, during a weekend where obviously Kobe Bryant was kind of hanging over the whole thing, there were a lot of tributes to him in different forms. I think that was probably the best tribute of all was just, you know, those guys showing up playing hard and, and giving the fans something to, to care about on an all-star Sunday. Yeah, it was great to see everyone actually give a shit. It was nice. Especially when during the even the season, in the middle of the season, a lot of players are taking games off or half-assing right. it, which I totally understand in terms of the grind of the season, in terms of resting, in terms of load management, saving yourself. But just that night can be really special for the NBA and fans at large. And it was great to see, you know, I think the Elam ending certainly played a role in that. But just to have... You know, those 10 guys that are on the court, the 10 best players in the league, and Joel Embiid, one of them, was awesome. Yeah, and so that's a very important point you bring up, Seamus. I think something that people should probably keep in mind, and obviously you don't read too far into exhibition, all-star game type games, but the fact that Joel Embiid was one of the 10 guys on the floor in a game that has like all-time great Hall of Fame caliber competition when the opponent has Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, James Harden, and I'm blanking on the fifth guy that he was going up against right now. But I don't know. I, yeah, I, I can't even remember at this point. Yeah, he's so the nine best players since he doesn't count. But, <laughs> but the fact that Joel Embiid <laughs> is sharing the floor with those guys in a must-win, grinded-out, possession-to-possession type atmosphere like that was on Sunday, I think that speaks to the sort of talent that they have in him, the respect that he has from – like his coach was Nick Nurse, a guy who went against him in the playoffs last year who could have – Easily turned to somebody else on that bench. Rudy Gobert, much to plus minus, was many good. Sixers fans had a huge box score in that All Star game, and his plus minus looked nice and blah blah blah. But when it was time to win, Nick Nurse wanted Joel Embiid out there to try to win the game. And I think, you know, it's funny we think of Joel in crunch time as a guy who has his struggles because it's hard to get him the ball on the low block and some of that is due to who he's playing with and their spacing and so on and so forth. But on that, with that group, with, with guards and spacing around him, Joel's getting single covered and he's either beating his man or picking up fouls every time they were getting him the ball. So I thought that was, you know, that's sort of the ideal, the, the best optimized lineup that you would want around Joel Embiid. Obviously, you're not going to have five all-stars. You, you should get time. the best players possible to play around your franchise player. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that seems very obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah if you could put four should, all-stars next yeah, to Joel should, Embiid, uh, that would look great. You should replace Alex Rucker and be the new VP of the team. Uh, <laughs> but putting offensive firepower around him and guys that people are not going to cheat off of that allows him to go to work in one-on-one matchups even against guys who are really good like lebron james a strong ass dude down someone say that's not someone that 
Yeah, it's not someone that you're just going to bowl over. And yet, even Embiid made him look silly on Sunday. So I, I think there will probably be some takes about how many minutes he played in that game because people believe he cares more about that All-Star game than other points in the year that are maybe more important. I don't know that I I have multiple mindsets there. there. One would be, yeah, like I – I'll have the opinion at times that Joe has, you know, X amount of miles on his body. And then eventually one day it's just going to be done. Uh, but at the same time, he looks good when he gets in a rhythm. He looks good when he doesn't take a lot of time off. And I think being in that environment, an ultra competitive game against the game's best players could certainly motivate him for the rest of the year, the next 27 games to, you know, they went into the all-star break on a three game win streak. They have two primetime games coming up. Building off that, I think he'd go on a monster run. Yeah, and you know, Seamus, we've talked about Joel and his competitiveness, his spirit, however you want to label it, I guess, a lot this year. And I think if that's what it takes to get his engine revving, like whatever it takes to get him going, they have to lean into it. Whether that's he said a bunch this year and recently – that the trash talking helps and that playing with a certain mindset that he's going out there to, to troll people and, and just go out there and have fun. If that's what it takes, they have to let him do that. I obviously you want to keep an eye on him playing too many minutes and sure. you can't be irresponsible with him. But I think using that as sort of a launch pad for the rest of his season, I think there's some sense to that. And, and look, if he, if ultimately the desire for him is to compete at a high level and you're seeing that in an all-star game, then I, I think that's a good sign that like, look, that is within him. And he has when the edge. he revs it up, yeah, mentality. When, when, he, <laughs> when he revs it up, he's capable of playing with and against and, and besting some of the best guys that are in the NBA. And so just seeing that side of him, I think is probably always a good thing for everybody who follows his team. Yeah, I'm amped to see if he can carry that over. And I think I think he will be. I think the Sixers are going to close the year strong. And we'll get more to that in a bit. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll circle back on that in a second after a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day are all right around the corner. And Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. And the best part is, when you sign up, you receive a 50% welcome bonus. I actually received one of those welcome bonuses, and I've already played through the rollover limit, and I have more than double my money that I'm looking forward to perhaps withdrawing that and spending a few shekels, but we'll see. I'm up the Wilder Fury. <laughs> oh, don't start with the units talk. You know, that drives me crazy. So this weekend, the Wilder Fury rematch is going down. I don't know if any of you guys listening are boxing fans. I'm very excited for that fight. And there's no better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money that you get from your welcome bonus. So head on over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy. And if you're already into betting or if you're a total degenerate like I am, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, 
That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now back to the show. And by the way, I have to say, I have bet on some truly outrageous sporting events recently, just as like a, a heat check, because I've been, you know, I've been doing okay. I don't want to say that I'm on a, a heater or anything, but what do you think is the most ridiculous thing that I've bet on, Seamus? If you had to ballpark it, uh, not even German, like some sort of Scandinavian country soccer league over under. <laughs> Uh, I have bet on darts. Doing some XF, XFL. I'm in the. I'm in no in XFL. The, I'm all in on the XFL. <laughs> Just from a pure entertainment, really not even on the field perspective. It, it appears a lot of people have been winning a ton of money just betting the unders in XFL games because the everyone, quarterback play just sucks. Cardo, so baby. maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll follow that strategy. Of, but of course, whenever that happens and and people try to tail that sort of uh, pattern, then it always goes the other way and people get screwed. And that's why places like Bet Online never go out of business. Except if you but, use Bet Online, you will make money. <laughs> no promises there. Disclaimer, that is not the official stance of this podcast. But I will say as someone who has bet at different books that Bet Online, if they don't have the best line every night they are at least close and are very competitive so as someone who's always looking for an edge i think bet online always gives you a fair shot to win and that's all that anybody betting on sports could possibly ask for so with our gambling segment of the podcast wrapped up with let's turn our attention to the final 27 games of the year it feels weird to say that there are only 27 games left, I always like, I don't know if you agree or disagree with this, Seamus. It's always part of me that wonders if the All Star break should come earlier, if it should be more of a midway point sort of event. But I think that might be hard to place with football playoffs going on. And, and then you kind of lose the any luster that you might have for the All Star game. Because when you come out of the All Star break as a team, that is like a, a dead sprint to the finish. We only have about two months of regular season basketball left, and then engines are revving up. It's playoff time, and it seems crazy that we have already reached this point. Yeah, it's at the perfect time for me. As you said, the football aspect is key, key. They don't want to have any interaction with that whatsoever, whether it be wild card weekend or the divisional rounds of the playoffs, where you're not only compromising the All-Star game, but the Saturday night spectacle of a three-point contest and slam dunk. And I like that it comes later in the season rather than a true halfway point. Just think of the benefit you get in the NFL if you have, like, I think it's so much better to have a week nine, week 10, or week 11 bye than it is to have a week three or week four bye. You want to get the rest as right. late as possible so you guys are fresh, so your guys are fresh, going into that stretch run and ideally the playoff run. So I like it. Just weird. Like, I agree, though, that it's weird they only have 27 games left because in our head we think of this as first and second half. That's how everyone and all and all the three sports that have midseason all-star games talk, even though it's not how it works in actuality. But, you know, I'm excited for the season and just in the sense that the playoffs are coming. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think the Sixers make it feel like 
they should be in an earlier part of the season because they've been more disjointed than we expected. So maybe that's part of it mentally too, where if they were, if they were a more cohesive team that was in cruise mode and maybe the, maybe they're a little worse at home, but are much better on the road Then I think we would probably think, okay, it's, it's time to start getting in, in playoff mode and, everybody's ready for this push but because there are so many things that are still up in the air for them i think that probably adds to that that feeling i have of like oh wait where did all the where'd the time go because i i certainly expected them to have a better we spent a better record and have a better seed than where they're at right now yeah i still think they're gonna finish it's weird because we consider this season disappointment based on record based on the eye test based on the as you said eastern conference standing but in terms of how I think they're going to finish, their schedule isn't as hard as it's been. And I think they're going to be right around that 51, 52, 53 win mark they've been uh, during the Ben Simmons era. My So my hot take is I think they're – once I sat down and looked at the schedule, I think their schedule is a little harder than people are – maybe letting on now there are some games here that i think they should be able to clean up on like they play atlanta at home they have a pair Atlanta on the road is scary but at home fine yeah they have a pair out west against sacramento and golden state both of which are teams they should beat no matter where they are they have charlotte a couple times they're at minnesota they play phoenix at home they play Washington. They play San Antonio, who might be out of the playoff race by the time they have that game. So there are a bunch of easy ones. But at the same time, number one, I can't take their road woes for granted. I know everyone is sort of flying high right now. No, I'm with you there. After the, after the Horford move to the bench, and everyone maybe expects – or not everyone, but some people probably expect that they're just going to come flying out of the – the blocks out of the all-star break and, and maybe that'll be fixed now that they have a more sensible rotation but look they got to go on the road to milwaukee on the road to both the la teams they have to play indiana and toronto at home they play portland at home who isn't that good this year but always gives them trouble and they, I mean, they, have, a, they have a lead guard and that's kryptonite right. right there especially one of dame's capability they play houston and, and that's a like that science experiment team is just I don't know what to make of that. That's gonna be a fun one right now. It will. Like I'm actually very curious to. There have been two really weird styles. Stand on on Houston. Like there have been some old man get off my lawn takes about what they're doing. So how do you feel about? Have you watched any of them since they've gone to this centerless team? A little bit, and I respect the hell out of it. They're probably not going to win the championship regardless, so why not just throw all conventional wisdom out the window and try something different? You know, they've struggled at different parts in the last couple of years. Not not during the right, which is I mean, like in their attempt to finally vanquish Golden State and make the finals. And of course now, when Golden State has kind of faltered a little bit with Durant gone, Clay Hurt, Steph Hurt, you know, the LA teams have risen up, but, you know, as long as you have James Harden, I think you have a puncher chance against anyone. I think MDA is a great coach. And I'd love to see what they do against a team like, like the Lakers, where I think, you know, their de facto center, Anthony Davis, who softly wants to be called a power forward. I'd love to see what, it, you know, P.J. Tucker does against a team like that. I know before we've seen that, 
you know, Davis bested him a couple of times in the first game after they traded Cabela, but I'd love to see them match up with the Lakers in the seven game series. I think it'd be really fun. Yeah, so I I enjoy what they're doing a Same, lot more yeah. than most people. I so but back to the how that affects the Sixers, I do wonder what it's gonna be like having Joel Embiid have to chase out to the perimeter for pretty much all, not all 48, because he's not playing 48 minutes, but for an entire game where they're trying to drag him away from the rim and make him guard the three-point line. And then that means Do you think that's an owl their game? defense. That could be an owl game, but even still, like I don't even think that's necessarily the best environment yeah, just, for him either. What, um, and then what they would had, you so, play? I'm sorry to keep cut you off, but what would your no. five guys be to kind of, kind of combat that if you don't think? I mean, is there a lineup you can convey where they're going that small? They've done Mike Scott the five over the past two years. I don't want to do that at all, but I'm just. Oh, curious. I would still play. Like, you have to play. Yeah, you have to just Joel. play. Your, you have to play a top 10 guy, but I just didn't know if there's any funky lineup combination they could throw out there for a couple minutes that you think would be effective. Well, maybe you try Ben at five some. Like, that would be a team that maybe that works, but. I I would be – my philosophy in those sort of situations is that you stick to what you do and you try to make the other team play your style. Yeah, and I think them... the Sixers have been pretty good at that across the board, like most of this year, as much as they've struggled to actually score and shoot, which are pretty important People fundamental parts of NBA basketball. At least stylistically, a lot of teams have had to like play in these rock fights with them. So, I I would expect them to just say, "Hey, Joe, just bully these guys inside and try to draw foul after foul after foul and get us into the bonus." And we'll see if that's the case. But that's a tough one. And then they they have another late late season home game against Milwaukee, which obviously there will be a lot of juice for that one, especially if. Milwaukee is going for 70 games, which is still on the table nah. for them right now. And then they have a couple of tough road games against teams on the fringes of the Western Conference playoff picture, New Orleans and Memphis, uh, in the final few days of the season, which they should win those. And I think specifically Memphis is uh, – the Sixers match up well with them, so I don't think that that should be too much of a problem, but – I don't think this is like a gimme schedule. I don't look at this and say, yeah, everything's going to be okay. And they're definitely just going to go like, I don't know, like 24 and three and just dominate the way they have in, in years past. You don't I mean, see that 16 game one streak happening. <laughs> no, like obviously that's a rare it's an, occurrence that's, for you know, any That's season. a historical anomaly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they can go on some runs here. I think particularly from about, Let's say the Charlotte game on March 19th. They play Charlotte, Atlanta, Minnesota, Chicago, Phoenix. That should be all wins. That should be five straight. But three of those are on the road. So inevitably, they're going to go two and three. Um, And that's sort of the thing. It's hard to project... How many games do you think they're going to win out of the final 27, Seamus? Because I, I, I can't come up with a number when all my instincts say, well, you just simply can't trust this team on the road in almost any way. I'm going to say they win 19 or 20, right around there. 
And I that think would that's put them, probably fair. They put them at 53, 54 wins, and I would expect them to be at least a four seed, chance at the three seed, uh, but definitely not catching Milwaukee or Toronto, which is right where they've been the last two years, for better or for worse. If they finish 53, 54 wins, that's an improvement. If they happen to be the fourth seed, that blows, and then they're going to have to play Milwaukee in round two. But I take their puncher's chance against Milwaukee as much as you know any other team in the league. Yeah, you know, I don't think anybody should feel good about them. Like, I, I don't know that I would pick against them in a series against Kyle's, Toronto. I would. But, I like, I don't think anyone should be excited for Like, if they get to the three seed, which I agree with you, is within their reach. I don't know that I'm, like, fired up if I'm the Sixers to have to go to Toronto to play, have Joel go up against Marcus Gasol, who just owns him on defense, and has they have like no answer for whatever the hell is going on there. They're going up against a, a really good coach in Nick Nurse that, that has a that team playing in different styles very well. Like they can trap, they can play zone, they can do all sorts of stuff. That it's not a Sixers friendly matchup, even though I agree. You want to delay the Milwaukee series as long as possible because I think they're the clear best team in the conference. I I do think there's something to be said for like yeah the, your your prize for getting to three is a team that has kicked ass and j- only just had a 15 game winning streak snapped before the All Star break. And as much as I said, oh, then they have to play Milwaukee in the second round. I think the more uh, pertinent information or the what's going to hit you first is that going to have to play Miami in the first round as opposed to yeah. Indiana and I think really that that's a team that scares me more so than even Milwaukee just matchup wise I mean this isn't even really my Milwaukee concern really or anything Miami like scares you I more just than... I think there's an intangible factor there that worries me a little bit see I would go the other way and say I just don't buy and maybe I'll be proven wrong when the playoffs come around. I don't necessarily buy Miami, especially within a Sixers context. They're the best scorer have, in the series. They do, but they don't have absolutely anybody who can guard Joel, and they've proven that over and over again. The, like, okay, so we look at the matchups this year, right? They blow them out in the first game. The second game, the Sixers have a historically bad game against zone defense and still almost come all the way back to win in a game they were getting blown out in. The third game in Miami, that game was won, if not for Joel Embiid being a complete idiot in the final minute of the game. And then the last game was like they're in the middle of a horrific funk they were actively not giving a shit at times. Ben Simmons plays horrific defense on Jimmy. Joel is all out of sorts. I I don't think there's a lot of evidence to support like, oh man, the Heat really have that's like a match specifically a matchup problem for Philly. I, I think certainly they're a team that you have to take seriously. I think Jimmy Butler's been really good. I think Bam out of bio, as we've said on this podcast before. If he's not the most improved player this year, then he, he's, he's going to be right there. I think he's been really, really good, and not he's certainly not someone I take lightly. But 
uh, like I do think there's an element of they're going to be able to bring the percentages of some of their shooters down. I think when you can play more physical defense with guys like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, like those are guys that that maybe over time they'll be consistent high level players, but I don't know that I would trust them in the playoffs. I did like I don't I don't think they are a bigger threat than Milwaukee or Toronto. I, I think they're a credible playoff team that they would fight Philly hard, but ultimately I think I'd probably skew toward the Sixers. Now that being said, we talked about them earlier in the year when we were looking forward at potential uh, playoff matchups. And I do think they have some playoff volatility with their three point shooting that maybe they just get hot for a series and there's nothing you can really do, especially because the Sixers only have like one guy who might get hot for a series in Furkan Korkmaz, who's just as liable to get played off the floor come mid April. So not saying you specifically as a person, but if you were the Sixers or from the team perspective, who would you rather play in round two, Toronto or Milwaukee? I'm not saying this in a way like, oh, it's better to get the four seed than the three seed because I absolutely hate, loathe that line of thinking. And I feel like it's loser talk. Like you always want to be the higher seed uh, for potential. Like it could play a role in home court in the conference finals. But from the Sixers perspective, would you rather play Milwaukee or Toronto in round two, Eastern Conference semifinals. I think it's Toronto, if only mm. because there is there's a familiar a fil- familiarity factor with them where you don't have to. It's not as much guesswork in terms of planning for it, uh, and the the benefit this year is that, like, if Kawhi wasn't playing in that series last year, if we just translated that to this year. Uh, the Sixers would have won that series easily. Kawhi carried them, and that's faulty because and they had the whole season prepared to not play with him, though. They did. Well, I think they're like I think they're, yes. I think Nick Nurse is the best coach, like better than Bud even. Oh, I think Nick Nurse is the coach of the year this year. I think, and I think he's yeah, easily one of the Spolster best. I think Spolster is a better coach in the, the East, league. but he's the second best in the East, I'd say. Um, or Brad, Brad Sue, so top three, I guess. Um, oh, giving some respect to Brad Stevens, eh? I mean, would you rather have Brad Stevens, if you were the Sixers, would you rather have Brad Stevens the coach of Brett Brown? I mean, like, he is very good. I think Spolster Oh, yeah, he's a good coach. I think, I think Spolster is better. I think Spolster is the best coach in the conference, but Brad is very good. Uh, well, but more to the point, I just, like, I don't think that there's a lot of mystery to the Toronto matchup. And I think maybe that is to their benefit. I also think that, again, this is more about me respecting Milwaukee, who has proven you carry water for that. that they bro. are a really, 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 really good team. And I would want, if I'm the Sixers, I would want to delay that matchup as long as possible. Because as we discussed earlier, the Sixers are still trying to figure things out. They don't know who their crunch time five is going to be necessarily. That's a thing that's now up in the air. They don't know who's going to start night to night. They don't know who's going to come in off the bench and when and with who. And and so there are so many variables that I would, if I am the Sixers, I would want to save the Milwaukee matchup as long as possible because there's also the chance that like, I don't think it's very likely. Another team locks them up. There's also a chance could, could knock them out. Yeah, maybe... 
Indiana or somebody just gives them a lot of pro- like I don't know I don't know what? how the whole bracket the Sabonis is going game to shake out. this league <laughs> you never know like so I would they're they're the best team to me have proven that over time and so that is the the matchup you want to avoid at all costs that is not me taking Toronto lightly and it's certainly not me taking Joel's struggles against. Marcus all lightly, but yeah, it is when they is. beat Milwaukee in round two and then lose to Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals. I hope someone brings this up. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hysterical? Because and that's I like can, such I a can classic. certainly see I could see that happening for sure. It's such a classic sports thing too. Like you get the monkey off your back, and, and well, Toronto's the monkey on couldn't. their back. Well, but I'm saying like you Toronto's get the to monkey, the round. Man. But getting to okay, the yeah, I gotcha, finals I gotcha, I gotcha, is gotcha. the – it's like, all right, we, it was like when the Eagles got to the Super Bowl finally and then the cheating-ass Patriots were like, hey, guys, we're still here and you got to beat us yeah. to get a ring. And yeah, Nick Nurse is still here to crush your dreams. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wonder if there would be – that would be a quite a plot. It would be very Philadelphia if that was what happened. But, you know, I think – I'm a little more I'll say I'm a little more conservative in terms of what I think their wow. record will be the rest of the year. Give me a number. I'm t- I'm going to say like 18 and 9. So it's only like it's one that, game different one or two games. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, like a but a two game difference could be the difference between 3 and 4, 3rd yeah. and 5th for all we Oh, know. yeah. I, mean, I didn't even really think all, it like that. Yeah. The, these teams are so tight. Now I don't. I haven't sat down and analyzed like, you know. I think people overthink the oh this team strength of schedule and this and that. It's like well, I don't put too much stock in that. I think by the end of the year, it's going to become clear who is really still pushing for seeding and who is like all right. Well, we're fine with wherever we end up. If teams get hurt, like if Jimmy Butler got hurt from Miami. They're just going to let him rest and like they'll take their chances with whoever in the playoffs. That teams are never going to prioritize, at least unless it's like a total outlier scenario. They're never going to prioritize seeding over having their guys ready. That applies to the Sixers too. Like if the Sixers went out this week and Joel Embiid has a sore knee again, they're just going to put him on the shelf until he's ready and we're going to do the same thing that we did last year where we're all sitting here wondering when the heck he's coming back sounds like a huge pleasure yeah Uh, believe me i'm i'm hoping for him for their sake for our sake that it's we're just talking about basketball these last couple months but seems my like middle of the road estimate is 18 and 9 i think they're very capable of doing that especially with the schedule i think they're going to have some quality wins. I think they're going to have some mind boggling losses <laughs> as they do all the time, but this is when they tend to, to pick it up a little bit. So I, I think really the thing that I'm focused on is that if Joel is the guy that he has shown himself to be in the past, there is a level this t- team can get to that. Not a lot of teams in the league can reach. So he has said in the past that he's got a, a switch to flip, that he's sort of coasting until a certain point in the season. I think there's no better time than now to turn that on and, and get going as we we head toward the final stretch. 
What are the odds that they beat on this West Coast road trip both the Los Angeles teams and then lose to both Golden State and Sacramento? Give me a percentage. I think it's like 50-50. That is I, like, I know, like it seems very realistic. <laughs> that's like the most realistic Sixers That's the most Sixers Yeah, it's uh, just down and out there. It seems plausible. It seems insane and we'll get all amped for nothing and then crashing and burning and elevating. I'm here for to the me, discourse. To me, th- I think they're going Ugh. to split. They're this is tremendous for the content. Games. They're going to split the LA games, leading everyone to think... Okay, they can still finish this road trip three and one. They got two cakewalks. Then they will immediately lose the Sacramento game because they're coming down off two tough LA games. And then national game against ABC, the Warriors are just too crappy for even for them Smoke to em. lose to. Yeah, I think that's a win. So I think they'll leave that road trip two and two, but it'll be the most infuriating possible iteration of two and two if i had to guess andrew wiggins will probably put up like 35 we'll have one of his five good games of the year and they'll sweat that one out on on saturday night and then marcus hayes writes an article uh you know maybe people were right about that winless for wing wiggins thing maybe they should have had him (laughs) instead of joel Embiid. marcus has had some scorchers marcus has been on a tear i respect the hustle (laughs) he had one he's on he's on loading the clip right now he had one the other. I think it might have been today, actually. There so was one. T- there was something today. Together. No, today he said, if Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons want to act like children, the Sixers should treat them like children. <laughs> I didn't even. <laughs> I don't even know what that it, really just, means. I didn't click on it. They didn't get my like, tweet. They didn't, I, I like the energy of it. I don't know what he was really going for, but. Yeah, I'm not going to go in on him, but the tweet and the headline I just made me think, like, what are they supposed to, like, is Brett going to, like, spank them? Like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Nobody's I getting spanked. Know. No, like, what does that mean, to treat them like children? I don't, I don't know. Uh, anyway, well, so that feels like a good time to segue into our favorite segment of every podcast, the Mac Collins loser of the week award Seamus I think we both have quality nominees this week so would you like to submit your uh, your suggestion to the panel of two so yeah my suggestion slash nomination is jazz fan and I believe Bleacher Report contributor uh, self-proclaimed member of Warp Twitter Andy Bailey who during the crunch time of the all-star game tweeted that uh Rudy Gobert's plus minus was like plus 10 and Joel Embiid's was minus 9 or minus 11. So it's and already the most Utah jazz thing that's yeah, ever happened. And they were like, well, he should be in on a crunch time over Joe. Just look at the box plus minus. Or the, the not the box plus minus, just the regular plus minus statistic. And just like, have you ever watched a fucking basketball game before? Like, get your head out of your Mormon ass. And like, look, have you? Oh ever wow, s- we're going to Mormon already. It's Damn. like, have you seen Joel Embiid? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and what world would you say if like going like full Bill Simmons, like monster situation, aliens come to the team? If you need ten guys out there, ten guys to play on your team, who in their right mind is having Rudy Gobert on that team? Is he one of the best ten? Dude, it's also like, bro, were you watching that game? Rudy Gobert was the only guy trying on defense for the first three quarters. Like, of course his fucking plus minus was great. 
nobody else was even attempting to play defense. So when he goes up to block a shot at the rim, everybody's looking around like, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah. Try hard. Try hard player. Try hard fan base. Truly remarkable that we're talking about all-star game plus minus at all. Yeah, like, you know, pro analytics guy as you are, Kyle, but not that even plus minus you know traditional plus minus is an advanced statistic or anything like that but just it's the all-star game just shut the fuck up for five minutes and enjoy watching the 10 best players in the league compete is that too much to ask for well i'm paraphrasing here from an old dave Chappelle thing where he says they should have never gave you people money. Yes, it's, it's yes, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> should never gave big you people paraphr- Twitter. Big paraphrase. Yeah. But so this is just like they should have never given you people internet. Is what I think when someone is quoting plus minus stats for an all star game. That's just just embarrassing. Honestly, just terrible. And actually, there was I don't remember who it was. It was a member of. Uh, weird Celtics Twitter. I wish I knew who it was because the tweet was hilarious. He he tweeted early in the game <laughs> and said, Rudy Gobert in an all-star game is as useful as a a traffic light in GTA. Which was a really, <laughs> fun, a really funny tweet. I don't want to laugh so at first t- because you said it was coming from a Celtics fan. It's like, I don't care what he says. I'm just like going to ignore what he's talking about. I was like, all right, that was funny. Yeah, no, so it was really funny. And then once Rudy Gobert starts putting up some stats, of course, the all the Mormons in Salt Lake City are, are filling this guy's mentions. And he, he quote tweets somebody who tweeted the plus minus at him. And he, he said something along the lines of, you're tweeting plus minus from an all-star game. Have some respect for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like, like are you, you self parody now? Okay, so that's nominee number one. That is Seamus' nominee. My nominee is not a single person, but is a collective thing that I guess Sixers Internet, Sixers Twitter has been doing most of the last few seasons, but it's really gotten annoying this year. Anytime that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid show any sort of, I I wouldn't even call it affection, but just like if they say a single thing that isn't like, Man, I hate this dude's guts. You would think it's like the biggest development since the fucking moon landing. And you get the the SpongeBob meme. I thought Ben and Joel hated each other. As if that's a thing that people have said over and over and over again. It's like if you hate someone you work with, are you just like a complete flat out asshole to them like (laughs) during work? Like 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 they they probably like each I would say they don't hate each other. They like each other more than like the general populist thinks. Is just them like playing grab ass, like just hanging out at a basketball all-star game with the rest of the stars, and like like them taking a picture does not mean that they are best friends to the death. That just means they like each other enough to take a picture, so people don't freak out at the fact they didn't take a picture. Right, and look, dude, I get it. If you're a fan and the Sixers win a game, and all you get subjected to, yeah, absolutely, I get it. ESPN the next day is like. Do they need to split Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid up on like first take? I get it. It's annoying. But the it's the talking point about they hate each other is a thing that was like some dumb rumor from like their rookie season that has never had any real legs. The most of the conversation about those two is 
do they complement one another and would they be better served playing with another star level talent that suits them better and the answer might be yes like we don't know that they've only ever played with one another in an NBA context and so like you never write off that question I as a member of the media have constantly constantly said I would not trade either one of those two until you know for a fact that they absolutely 100% cannot win together and that they both have the type of talent that is worth building around and worth riding this thing until the wheels fall off. But the idea that nobody can discuss like, hey, maybe if Joel played with a guy who could actually run pick and rolls with him and set him up for easy baskets all the time, Maybe that would be better for him. That's not a crazy thought. Or maybe if you just said, looked at Ben Simmons playing with a guy like Al Horford who doesn't need the ball, who can just pick and pop teams to death, you can see a case for Ben being best served individually by playing with a center like that. It doesn't have to be this thing where every time Joel Embiid's fit with Ben Simmons has talked about that it's the the media is out to get them and this is a created issue and if there is an issue down the line if there is a a a butting of heads and not necessarily them hating each other but just some sort of disagreement it's going to be because one or both of these guys wakes up one day and thinks and verbalizes like this ain't it and I don't want this anymore they've said all the right things they've done all the right things you have every right to be annoyed with how some members of the national media talk about the team and talk about those two. But we really don't need to do the thing where we pretend like there's some mob out to pretend that Joel and Ben hate each other. Nobody says that or does that. And I don't know where that's coming from or what fucking straw man people think they're beating up. But it's stupid and it needs to end. Well said. So... I don't know who's the so who's the biggest loser there. I, I think we saw because I don't want to. Well, give dude, it to Sixers it's, it's fans. not. Let's not blame. It's not call Sixers fans losers. So let's do Correct. that. Dude. That's it. So sorry to Andy Bailey because I understand the plight of Sixers fans staying that because it's annoying. I do, but at the and same I'm, time, listen, I've like, been on the up, fan side of this. You're at an eleven. Let's crank it down to an eight. Yeah, it, it, we don't need to turn into human SpongeBob memes every time there's like a a video of Ben Simmons smacking Joel's butt at an All Star game. So we're taking a picture with him. Ultimately, Kyle trashed the fan base, and I suppose. Oh, that. don't you even start with me. <laughs> Never again. All right, buddy. Well, all right. Sounds good. This was a good. Uh, Good way to get come back from the all-star break. Hopefully next time there will be less plus minus in the all-star game talk and, and more focus on actual actual basketball we'll and we stats that matter. But uh, we will we'll catch up with you guys soon. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and make sure to, you know, not send any complaints. No complaints. So we'll talk to you soon. Please no, please no complaints. (laughs) Unless it's about plus minus.